Hey everybody, this is Toby with BibleStudyPodcast.org. I hope every one of you is having a great week. I want to let you know my website is now up and running thanks to Jamie from ScriptureForms.org. What a blessing to have a website. It's my first website uh, aside from MySpace, which is you know just kind of a generic website. I don't know anything about this stuff, but Jamie from ScriptureForms.org, you are the man. And these podcasts are now being heard on iTunes as well. Wow. But, you know, anyway, we are praising the Lord because he has really blessed this ministry, you know, in uh, in ways that I never would have foreseen. So, you know, I'm really thankful and I'm praising the Lord today. I hope you are too. Of course, this is Wednesday and Wednesdays we talk about culturally relevant issues or um, you know, things that are going on in the news or apologetics, you know, stuff like that. Well, we're going to do something fun every Wednesday. And of course, today, what we're going to talk about is James Cameron's discovery of, quote unquote, the bones of Jesus. He supposedly found Jesus's tomb and next to him, you know, and, and in this tomb, there were the bones of Mary Magdalene and their son, you know, the son that Jesus and Mary Magdalene had together. And, you know, this is, you know, it's really great that James Cameron found Jesus, but, you know, I, I wish that he would find him in the way uh, that would give salvation to him. And, of course, we want to keep James Cameron in our prayers. And, uh, you know, we want we want to counter this, because really what this is, this is a threat to Christianity. This is James Cameron's attempt to undermine the the greatest doctrine of Christianity. This is the doctrine that Christianity stands or falls on. Paul wrote in his letter to the Corinthians, if there is no resurrection of the dead, not even Christ has been raised. And if Christ has not been raised then our preaching is in vain, and your faith also is in vain. See, if Jesus wasn't really resurrected, then you believing that he is God, you believing that the Bible is true, it's all in vain. It's all for nothing. So Christianity really stands or falls on this. If the bones of Jesus were really found, then of course he didn't resurrect. And so I want to narrow this down to one question. And that is, this is a question that maybe James Cameron would ask. You know, I don't know. But this is a question that we're going to focus on today. How can rational people believe that Jesus was resurrected? After all, nobody resurrects. It's impossible, right? Well, let's let's talk about that. Again, why is it that Christianity hinges on the resurrection of Christ? Well, first of all, it's because he said he was going to do it. If you look at John 2.19, he said that he would do it. And he said that long before it actually happened. So let's see. Let's just take into consideration what the Bible says happened. First of all, the Bible tells us that Jesus suffered death by crucifixion. He was nailed to a cross, as was common in that day, by the Roman government. And Joseph of Arimathea came to Pilate, asking for the body of Christ, so that he could give that body a proper 
Jewish burial. And then what does Pilate do? He doesn't just say yes right off the bat. No, in Matthew fifteen forty four, we find out that Pilate summoned the head centurion, and the head centurion confirmed that Jesus was dead. And it was only then that the body was handed over to Joseph. So then the Gospel of John tells us that Joseph and Nicodemus wrapped the body of Jesus with spices, as was their custom in the day. They wrapped the body of Jesus with spices, a huge amount of spices, which was close to 100 pounds in weight. That's what the Bible tells us. And they brought the body of Jesus to a tomb that belonged to Joseph. Next, the Bible tells us that Joseph rolled a large stone in front of the tomb. And why did he do this? So that nobody would steal the body. Jesus had a number of very influential enemies who would probably have loved to go in and take a crack at the body. But for whatever reason it was, the tomb was sealed. Joseph wanted Jesus to be able to rest in peace. That night, the Jewish leaders went back to Pilate And they told Pilate that Jesus had told them, the religious leaders, the Jewish leaders, that he was going to raise again after three days. And we find this in Matthew 27. These Jewish leaders thought that the disciples were probably going to steal the body of Christ. So Pilate, you know, he's trying to keep everybody happy. He assigned guards to man the tomb. This is plural, guards to prevent anyone from getting to the body of Jesus. So the third thing is some women came to Jesus' tomb with spices for burial, only to find out that the stone sealing the tomb had been removed. It had been rolled away. What did they do? They went into the tomb. When they went into the tomb, they find out that the body of Jesus is gone. So what did they do? They did what any rational person would do. They freaked out. They flipped. Uh, Most of them went and got the disciples who were gathered, and they didn't believe it either. See, they weren't expecting a resurrection. Uh, They were thinking, you know, this was our Messiah. This is the guy who was going to deliver the nation of Israel from the Roman Empire. He was the one who was going to set us free from all that, and now he's dead. What are we going to do now? They weren't expecting a resurrection. Some of the disciples... Uh, As a result of what the women had had said to them, some of the disciples, Peter and John, came and verified that the stone had been rolled away and that the body was gone. Now, one thing that the Bible tells us is that when they went into the tomb, the book of John tells us that the headpiece part of the linens in which uh, Jesus' body was wrapped, um, the the headpiece was found folded in the tomb. Now, just a side note here. If his body had been stolen, a thief, the person who went in there, would not have likely taken the time to fold a, a headpiece. They would have wanted to get in, in, there, in there and out of there as fast as they possibly could. So anyway, we, we find out that the, the headpiece is, is folded. And then the last thing, the last part of this story, is that Jesus then appeared to James, then to the rest of the disciples, And then, as Paul tells us in uh, the 15th chapter of 1 Corinthians, he appeared to over 500 people. Now, this is all what the Bible says. Everything that I've already told you, that's what the Bible says. 
But what we're going to do, let's look at the facts. Let's question this. You know, it's okay to scrutinize the Bible. It's okay to scrutinize Christianity because you know what? It has been. It's been scrutinized for thousand for 2000 years. The earliest people scrutinized it, and that's fine. It's withstood it because truth ultimately can withstand being scrutinized. So let's look at the facts. Either the tomb was empty or it was not. We can definitively say that that either the tomb was empty or it was not. All of the evidence leads us to believe that it was indeed empty. So either the resurrection took place or something else caused the tomb to be empty. But okay, so this narrows us down to three possibilities. We have three options here. First of all, there's the possibility that the tomb was not empty, that Jesus was still in his tomb. The second option is that the tomb was empty, but not because of a resurrection, not because Jesus had raised from the dead. And the third possibility is that the tomb was empty because of the resurrection. Now, we're going to address these one at a time. The first option, like I said, is that the tomb was not empty. Uh, And this seems highly improbable. Could it be that the location of the correct tomb was not known? Maybe they went to the wrong tomb. And I'm going to say no, because Joseph put Jesus in his, in, in Joseph's own personal tomb. The followers of Jesus all knew where the tomb was. The women did, who had gone to uh, lay spices on him. And Peter and John, who ran there after receiving the news that the body was gone, Peter and John went to the same tomb. They all knew where to go. And third, the Roman guards, when they were assigned by Pilate, they knew where to go to find the tomb. So maybe the skeptic would ask, maybe they went to the wrong tomb. Now, this also seems improbable improbable because this theory supposes that Joseph, the followers of Christ, the, the women, Peter and John, the Jewish leaders, and the guards assigned by Pilate all went to the wrong place. This theory also assumes that the correct tomb was never found. So did they go to the wrong tomb? I don't think so. That's, that doesn't seem possible. Now, some people, this is a theory that's been put forth also. Some people say maybe somebody else was crucified in Jesus's place. But this still doesn't explain why there was an empty tomb. This still doesn't explain the folded head garment in the tomb. And there is just absolutely no evidence to support this theory. I mean, they're just taking a shot in the dark. They have, you know, no evidence to support this type of theory that somebody else was crucified in Jesus's place. It couldn't have been Judas. We find out later that Judas hung himself. So, you know, this whole idea that the tomb wasn't empty seems really improbable. Let's move on to the second option. The second option is that, if you'll remember, the tomb was empty, but for some reason other than the resurrection. So let's look at some some uh, some possibilities here. Maybe Jesus's followers stole the body of Jesus while the guards were sleeping. Now, if you'll remember, if if you've read the Bible, you know this is the story that the Jewish leaders were circulating. This is so improbable, though. 
I can't believe that anybody has ever even considered this theory that Jesus' disciples stole the body. Because, okay, let's consider this logically. First of all, if the guards were sleeping, then who's to say who took the body? There would have been no witnesses. Second of all, how likely is it that all of the guards were sleeping at the same time? These are guys, you know, their lives were on the line here. If these guys didn't do their job, they were in trouble. These guys were professional and disciplined men. So the likelihood of them all being asleep at the same time, I don't think so. Third, if they were sleeping, don't you think the sound of this huge stone being rolled up a hill, and because there would have been a, a slight incline for the, the, the stone to roll down into the place, the, the opening of the tomb, so if they were sleeping, wouldn't the sound of this humongous stone being rolled away wake them up? I think it probably would. That wouldn't be something quiet. Also, we have to ask ourselves, what motivation would the disciples have had to steal Jesus' body? Why would they do that? Most of those guys, you know, we find out that later on in life, they suffered greatly for claiming that Jesus rose from the dead. They suffered greatly for trying to spread the gospel. And here's the thing. People won't suffer for a hoax. Somebody would have cracked. All of these guys were subject to brutal beatings, brutal methods of, of being killed. And you're trying to tell me that not one of them cracked when they knew that this whole thing was a hoax? I don't think so. That is, that's also unlikely. Also, how did a frightened group of individual citizens, the disciples and the women, overcome a unit of Roman guards? They wouldn't have even tried. They knew that these guys, you know, they've got you know, these huge swords, they've got horses, and they've got, more importantly, they've got backup. So I don't think they would have uh, tried to take on the Roman guards. And finally, you know, you know, we take all, all of these factors into account and we find out, you know, that logically and rationally speaking, it's impossible, uh, or, or at least highly, highly, highly unlikely that the disciples stole the body of Jesus. Okay, another possibility is, you know, maybe the enemies of Jesus stole Jesus' body. And about this theory, you know, I, I just have to say, that is totally desperate. You have to be completely desperate to think that the enemies of Jesus stole the body. Why would they have done that? They wanted him dead. If he, As long as he's in the tomb, everybody thinks he's dead. If they had stolen the body they would have at least produced it once people started looking for it. Because if you stole a body, I mean, you, you first of all would have had to have gone past the Roman guards or bribed them. You would have been busted, man. You would have been in a lot of trouble. So I don't think that's uh, possible either. I don't think the enemies of Jesus could have stolen the body. That's not, that's not rational. Um, maybe Jesus didn't really die on the cross and was later resuscitated by the cool air in the tomb. How many of you guys have heard that one? I know that's a possibility that I heard when I was in college. I thought, 
you know, there's this possibility, you know, because one of my professors had brought it up, there's this possibility that the cool air in the tomb was enough to wake him up. You know, he, he'd been beaten up and everything, yeah, but, you know, the, the cool air, you know, would have woken him up after a few days. And this is actually, you know, one of the more popular theories. But in order for this theory to have happened, Jesus would have had to have survived. First of all, he would have had to have survived the beatings at his trial. He would have had to survive the scourging at his trial and the crown of thorns. He would have had to survive uh, the crucifixion, having, you know, immense amounts of blood lost, you know, after having nails pounded into his feet and his hands. And he would have had to survive the spear being thrust into his side and all of the water and blood pouring out of his body as a result of that. And you're telling me that after all of that, that a couple days later, he's going to resuscitate because of the cool air in the tomb? I don't think so. But, you know, he also would have had to have been able to breathe while he's wrapped in these 100 pounds of linen and spices. You know, I, I think that's pretty unlikely for somebody who hasn't been beaten you know, for them to survive that for two days. He would have had to have survived three days with no food or water after losing an enormous amount of blood. He would have had to have rolled the stone up a hill, you know, the stone, the, the stone which sealed the tomb. He would have had to have rolled it up a hill after having no nourishment for three days. And, that, and he ha would have had to have done that without the guards noticing or he would have had to have overcome the guards, which would have, you know, required a, a lot of strength, a lot of skill. And after losing all that blood and uh, being beaten like that, I don't think so. And finally, he would have had to have walked for miles on his feet. And what had happened to his feet? They were pierced. If he hadn't really been killed, his feet were at least pierced. So, you know, in order for him to have gotten out... Um, you know, we have to believe that he walked on pierced feet. I don't think so. So, uh, you know, this whole theory that, um, that the tomb was empty for a reason other than the resurrection is totally shot down. Um, you know, maybe Jesus's followers all lied about seeing him alive. You know, let's consider that possibility. What if, uh, what if this was a story that they had all made up? Again, you know, I, I, like I said earlier, people won't die for a hoax. They won't die for a lie. People won't die for something. Let me correct that. People won't die for something that they know is a lie. The, the, uh, the terrorists on 9-11, they were all willing to die, but they died for something that they thought was true. Um, but people won't die for something that they know to be a lie. Also, if the followers had lied about seeing him alive, uh, why would Paul have mentioned that some of the witnesses to the resurrection, uh, the 500 witnesses, that's a lot of people, why would Paul have mentioned that these witnesses lived amongst the Corinthians when he wrote to the Corinthians? You know, he would have said, you know, there were all these witnesses, but, you know, none of them, you, you wouldn't know any of them. Uh, and also this theory requires that every single person all 500 uh, who saw the resurrected Christ be in on this hoax and that not one of them gave away 
the secret. Not one of them told the truth that Jesus, you know, you know, we lied. We, you know, he wasn't really alive. Um, not one of them cracked to save themselves before they and their families were fed to lions by the Romans uh, when the Christians were persecuted. You know, I don't think so. You know, they wouldn't have lied about seeing him alive. There would have been no uh, personal satisfaction for them having done so. They suffered for it. Somebody would have cracked. So when we take all of this into consideration, the only possibility that we're left with is that the resurrection really did happen. And that's why the tomb of Jesus was empty. You see, the evidence for the resurrection of Christ is overwhelming when we take all of these factors into account. And, you know, really what this does, in my opinion, this turns the tables on the original question, which was, if you'll remember, whether or not rational people, um, whether or not rational people can believe that Jesus rose from the dead. So the question that's actually more logical, given all of these considerations, is how can rational people not believe in the resurrection? See, what it all boils down to is that, you know, whether we're talking about the Da Vinci Code or whether we're talking about James Cameron's theory, uh, it, it doesn't work because someone at some point in time would have, well, they would have said, hey, you know, you know, they would have seen Jesus because he's living with Mary Magdalene and he's got this uh, this son, supposedly. But somebody would have seen him and said, hey, you know, I, I read that you ascended into heaven and, you know, that you raised from the dead. But, you know, here you are, you're married to Mary Magdalene and you've got a son. Nobody ever came forward and made such a claim. The Bible, the, stor the, the story of the resurrection in the Bible can be scrutinized because it's the only thing that possibly could have happened. The truth will prevail when you consider all of the other options. And so, you know, let's just keep praying that James Cameron finds Jesus the way that we have found Jesus, and that's in a way that will bring about faith in him. Let's just quickly wrap this up with, with a word of prayer. Heavenly Father, we thank you so much for your word, and we thank you so much, Lord, for giving us rational minds. Thank you, Lord, for your son. Thank you for the sacrifice, and thank you for the resurrection, Father. We know that you are true. We know that the truth will stand because it's your word, Lord, and we completely trust in that. We thank you for your word, and we praise you. We just lift up James Cameron and anyone else out there who believes the lies that he and things like the Da Vinci Code are propagating. And we lift these people up to you, Lord. We pray, we pray that they would listen to this podcast, Lord, because maybe it would make them rethink their philosophy. Maybe it would make them rethink their view of you. So, Lord, we pray for those people. We pray that you would shed your light into their lives and that you would open their eyes and let them see that you are true. Thank you, Lord, for this time, and thank you for this podcast. We lift it up to you to glorify you. In Jesus' name, amen. Thank you, everybody, for listening today. I hope you've been blessed by this message. As always, feel free to contact me at cleanslate.ministries at hotmail.com. I'll see all of you next week.